Hi, I'm Homer Hargrove and I'm the pastor of Grave Top Church. I hope that today's message inspires you and that connecting with our church family today truly makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome family. Uh, my name is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grave Top Church. And today we are, for our online service, we are talking about redeeming worship, redeeming worship. And uh, this whole month, we've been going through a series about being the church, how we can be the church. And as we've been, uh, we talked about uh, how important prayer is. And we, and we talked about how, uh, how meaningful and edifying reading the word is. And now we're going to be talking about the, the, the potential and power of the, redeem, the redeeming nature of worship. And to start off, I want to share um, what it was like for me when I first started going to church and, and experienced worship for the first time. And I, I get, for most of y'all already know that I was not raised in church, but when I did give my life to Christ, I, I remember in the very first couple times I'd go into church, the idea of worship seemed really unfamiliar and and just even confusing. I've never experienced worship before. I never really understood what it meant. I feel like worship is like that. It's it's almost hard to articulate. And I remember going to this this youth group. I was seventeen at the time, and it starts off with these songs and uh, what is we know as worship and. And I remember as they were singing that one song, very popular, oh, how he loves us. And uh, y'all are probably thinking, this guy can't sing. But as they were singing this song, everything in me, everything within my soul wanted to lift my hands and wanted to sing these words that I, I didn't even really know what they meant. But there's something within my soul that wanted to connect in this moment of worship. I just didn't know how to articulate it. And I remember literally grabbing the chairs in front of me and holding on tightly, almost to stop myself from lifting my hands. And the only reason of why I, I, I was holding back was because deep down, I was afraid what others were doing and what others were thinking. I, and I, 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 was, I, I just had this insecurity when it came to this moment and opportunity to worship even though I wanted to and I remember after that day I remember thinking very intentionally about what it is that provoked me to not engage in that moment of worship and I decided from that point forward that I was no longer going to allow the opinions of others to hinder my personal worship and, and that's what we're going to start with with our first point which is Worship is a purposeful connection. Worship is a purposeful connection. Worship is all about connecting with God. That's really what it is. It's as simple as that. It is connecting with God. And I've, because it, I feel like worship can be a little hard to articulate, I think sometimes it's almost easier to understand worship when we look through the stories of others, especially stories of people in Scripture. One, a perfect person I thought that we could use as an example for worship is David. David is consistently referenced as being a man after God's own heart. All, uh, even most of the Psalms were written by David. He was a songwriter. He, he just uh, loved praising the Lord. And so we're going to look at what worship was for him. And so I want to I want to read a, a passage in 2 Samuel chapter 6, starting in verse 12 through 22. And this is really the beginning of David's kingdom, his kingdom reign. And 
right before this part of scripture, everything was just like just finally clicking in for David. He had all this, all this uh, discord and all these these obstacles that he had to overcome. And and then right before this part of scripture, if you look at the the titles and subtitles to the chapters before this, is like uh, David's victory over Ziklag, David's victory over the the, the Philistines, David defeats this, David defeats this. And it's just like all these things that were David's just winning. He's just getting victory and, and just like just crushing it. And now in this part of the story, David is bringing the ark of God in uh, into uh, his home, Jerusalem. He's bringing it home. And this is where the story picks up. It says, then King David was told that the, that the Lord had blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. And so David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps. David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf and David danced before the Lord with all of his might wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people before uh, people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horn. So just to give it imagery. David is bringing up the ta- the the ark of the ark of the Lord and they just take six steps. It's like, wait, hold up, we need to have a praise break. And they start stomping and shouting and they're just going off and having this great celebration because of the ark of uh, of God being brought. And just after six steps, they're they're having this moment of of celebration and and it shows that david's just uh, the simple joy of just recognizing what god has already done in his life and in this moment uh, some translations even say that that uh he he danced naked before the lord it doesn't mean that he's butt naked but when it says that he was wearing a priestly garment it's it's like the idea of him wearing a robe and he's dancing with all of his might and he's like you know doing some twirls and some some kicks and stuff so you start getting some free shows here and there and so this is this is at this point where he has just no care of how he looks as he's praising god and and it says, it goes on to say, but as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. And this is just like a side note that shows that worship, just genuine, authentic worship, has a reaction of generosity. David is just like, it just brought this whole celebration where he starts giving out all these, uh, these gifts to the people who were there. And then, now this is where it really kicks in. Then all the people returned to their homes. And when David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the Michal, the, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. Now, this is his wife, okay? She said in disgust how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michal and 
I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all of his family. See, that's David trash talking in the, in the old, in the old Testament. He appointed me as the leader of Israel and the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this and to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think that I am distinguished. Now, this is where we need to, we need to really grasp a couple of things. Because this, this passage of scripture really gives a lot that we can learn. Number one it shows that when you allow yourself to be free of the opinions of others, you are able to have unbridled worship. And when you have unbridled worship, it invokes an unbridled presence of God. David has no care in the world about how he seems to others in this moment. He just has this moment of raw praise and celebration for God in his heart that's just overwhelming to where he can't contain himself. And rather than apologizing and saying, I know I got out of hand, I'm sorry. He has this clear distinction in his heart where he, he says, I do not have to apologize for praising my God. I do not have to apologize or, or show any reserve or hesitation for celebrating the God who's given me victory in every area of my life, the God who's given me life, I don't have to apologize for that. And, and this is a very meaningful thing for David to do because he's recognized that, I mean, if you've experienced the presence of God, this makes a lot more sense. It, I, for me, it's like before I was like doing drugs and, and uh, doing drugs and, and having a completely different lifestyle before I became a Christian. And the thought of why would I stop doing drugs? Why would I stop having premarital sex? Why would I stop doing the things that I used to do? But it was because the presence of God was so much greater than the insatiable things of this world that could never satisfy, never satisfy my soul. Once I tasted of God, I realized I didn't need to taste anything else. That's what it's like for David in this moment. He, he just has this raw comprehension that nothing else is as good as God's presence. And so he has this unbridled nature about worshiping God. And what this exchange shows between him and uh, Macau is that when you allow yourself to be free of the uh, uh, opinions of others, you enter this place of authentic and free worship, authentic worship. And authentic and free worship will always irritate those who are pious and worship only religiously. It, it, worship should never be a show, but religion tries to put worship in this box of how it has to be done this way. And it, it has to be all about show. It, it, it's, it's such a, a formal way to to give sacraments unto God. But see, genuine worship, it throws off the chains of religion and it, it makes it all about connection, all about connecting with your creator. And it bothers religion. Look at Jesus. I mean, the, the Pharisees were just always pissed off at Jesus, even when he was doing good. And it's because of their religious nature. They could not stand this genuine spiritual man. And that's what we see here. 
And the joy that comes from the presence of God is simply just greater than any esteem that can come from man. And that's why David says, I'll look even more foolish than this. You think that was bad? Wait till tomorrow. I can go even crazier. I'll do some cartwheels if I have to. He, he doesn't care because he has a recognition that God's presence is greater. In the moment of worship, this unbridled worship is greater than any kind of esteem that he could get from a human being. It's all about connection. You know, it makes me think, if we were to really grasp what connection is, it's not about a show. It's not about a religious show. Worship is about connection. It makes me think about this time that I was speaking at a Bible college. And I remember uh, as I was like gathering my thoughts right, be uh, right before going up to the stage to speak, we we're they're having this worship time. And I remember I was in the front row and I heard this one young man now singing louder than all the other people in the room. And he was just going off. I mean, it's one thing. There's a difference. There's a difference from singing along during worship and really pouring your heart in worship. This man was pouring his heart into this moment of worship. It's almost as if it was like it, it, nothing else mattered. It was just him and God. And you could tell. And I went up to the stage and, and I started off with this. And I asked it, this Bible college, how many of you were raised in church? Everybody rose their hand. Every single person rose their hand. Well, almost everybody. Everybody except one person. And then asked, how many of y'all were not raised in church? And that one young man that was pouring his heart and soul out during worship rose his hand. And I, I, it was just such a, a powerful imagery of what it looks like when you compare religion to relationship. As that young man was pouring his heart out, I like to observe things. And I notice some other people kind of just giving these like little glances because, you know, it's not like he's the worship team. What does he think he's doing? And while others had their own thoughts about him, their thoughts didn't matter because he had this raw connection with God. And I'm telling you, when you connect with God, it, nothing else matters. Now let's go into our next point. That is worship is a powerful force. Worship changes the atmosphere. I want to make it clear that in this point, we're going to talk about the, the atmosphere changes as a reaction to the presence of God that comes during worship. Worship is not a tool, it is not a tool, and nor should it be used as a tool. I, I, I strongly believe that we get things mixed up when it comes to church because even like the idea that most churches have when it comes to having worship at the beginning of the service. It's typically with the mindset that worship softens people's hearts to be able to receive the word of God, the message. Well, what I find in scripture is that the word of God is what is supposed to be used to soften our hearts. And worship is the end all. It's our, it's our engagement. That is what we're trying to do is worship God. The word of God, the message is supposed to help get us there. And so if we were to understand that worship is not a tool, but it does change the atmosphere, let's look at this story in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 8. So we looked at David's praise break when everything was good. Let's take a moment to look at things when, when it was just chaos. In 1 Samuel 30, chapter, uh, verse 1 through 6, chapter 30, verse 1 through 6, it says, Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites... And, 
had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground, and they had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Let's just pause for a moment. I think we've all had moments in our lives where we have felt like our life is ruins, that the things that we have dreamed of, the things that we've built up have become ruins. We've had moments where we have wept, where we can no longer weep, where you cry till you no more tears come out. That's what this scene is right here. It's a very painful moment. And then it says, David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter and losing their, for losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning David. Let's pause for a moment. David was not exempt from this painful experience, from this chaos. The only difference about David is that he was labeled leader. And it shows the, the, the almost undue pressure of leadership, that you can go through the exact same thing but get the blame, even though you're experiencing what everyone else is experiencing. In this moment, think about how difficult that would be, that you're experiencing loss. And now everyone around you is pointing their finger in your face saying, this is your fault. And we're, we're going we're gonna to kill you for it. And then the last verse says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Now this is a powerful moment because what we see here is that this is personifying a moment that David chose to worship. So he says that David found strength in the Lord his God. The simile of this is that David worshiped the Lord. And in his worship, he found the strength he needed. And to make, you know, make the ending of the story, everything worked out. It, they ended up recovering everything that was taken from them. The whole situation was redeemed. But it was only after this moment in which David brought heaven to earth in his worship. See, the Bible says when we worship, it invokes God's presence to our situation, to our lives, to the world around us. And so the presence of God is life. It is redemption, it's power, it's victory. And the natural reaction to the things around the presence of God it is just, it cannot, nothing else can stand against it. It's similar to the idea of like light and darkness. God is light. This world is full of darkness. Well, with, with, uh, even just look at the imagery of a dark room. A dark room can uh, feel limiting to sight. You don't see everything. It, it can feel ominous, it can, the unknown. But the moment that you turn on the light, not only does it make things clear, but it changes the atmosphere of that room. It can brighten a room. And in the same way that you do not turn off the darkness, you only turn on the light and darkness flees. That is what it is like for when we worship. The presence of God comes and darkness flees. It just has this chain reaction that affects and redeems the atmosphere of whatever we're in. Worship is a powerful force that we're always able to call into our lives. 
But that leads us into our last point, which is worship is a personal choice. Worship is always an option. It, I want to look at one last story for David. See, there's a moment for David in his worst time that he chose to worship and it changed the situation. Let's look at another moment. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19 through 23, when David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Now to paint the scene, in this moment, David had been fasting and praying for his son, his baby boy that was sick and on his deathbed for his, for his life to be spared, for him to live and not die. And he had been fasting and praying for this miracle to happen. And it says, and it says that he asked, is a child dead? Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground, washed himself, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. And he went to the tabernacle, and he worshipped the Lord. Man, this is a powerful, powerful moment. It goes on to say, after that, he returned to the palace and was served food and ate, and his advisors were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the child was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the child is dead... You have stopped your mourning and are eating again. And David re replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. Now, this is a very somber moment. And... I want us to understand a couple of unique things. One, in the moment of, of just pure agony, David chose to worship. David chose to worship. I, I feel like this story is hard to, it, it's not, we can comprehend it, but you cannot comprehend it to the fullest extent until you have your own kids. I used to think, I, I had an idea of what it was like to love a kid, like your own kid. I could grasp like you love your kids. No, you can't love anything like you love your kids. And I could grasp that, but I never really knew it until I experienced it. Once I had my baby girl at born, my first child born, man, the love is overwhelming. You can't even describe it. And so in this moment, David is praying for his child, his baby boy to live and not die. We have all prayed for things that were not answered. And some, some of us can relate specifically to this moment, praying for someone to not die. Some of us, we can relate to where we've simply prayed for things and those prayers were answered. Our typical response for a prayer not being answered is wagging our finger at God saying, why didn't you do this for me? I worshiped you, but you didn't do it for me. And see, that's where we, that goes back to understanding that worship is not a tool. We do not use worship to try to force God's hand. We, we do not use worship to, to uh, uh, as this, this, this method in which we invoke God to do things because we did this. Worship is all about connection. And if you understand it that way, it makes a lot more sense. In this situation, David chose to worship after an unanswered prayer about life and death chose to worship <laughs> i would feel like 
most of us would not feel like worshiping. It is always an option because worship is about connection. When you experience agony, you either want two things. You want to either be left alone or you want to, to be with someone that you truly love and knows and that you know without a doubt loves you. David chose in his moment of agony to be with the very one who loves him unconditionally, his heavenly father. If we understand that that is worship, connecting with your heavenly father, this story makes a lot more sense. In this moment of agony, he goes to his father. He goes to his heavenly father, for that pure connection in his darkest night. If we were to grasp how powerful worship is, how redemptive it is, how it's all about connection, we must conclude with this idea that it is always an option regardless of how good things are or how bad things are. Worship is always an option. I hope that this, this talk about worship was meaningful for you. And maybe at some point in this conversation, you've never, you've never really thought about worship just being about connection. And maybe as I'm talking about it, you realize you've never made a decision to have that connection in the first place. Maybe you've been in and out of church. Maybe you've never really tried church before, but you've never had a, a clear decision moment where you put your faith in Jesus to establish that spiritual connection with your heavenly father. And you feel something urging within you to do that today. And you're ready to make that choice. The Bible says in the book of Romans, after you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he says he is, surely you shall be saved. What it's saying is if you have a genuine heart and talk to Jesus yourself, that that's all it takes to have to start this relationship with him. Again, not a religion, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's all it takes to start. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. You're able to have that conversation yourself. So if that's you today, I encourage you to have that conversation right now. You don't need me to lead you through a pretty prayer. Just simply talk to him. Pour your heart out to him yourself. And don't let another day go by without having that conversation. All that being said, I hope that this time was meaningful and edifying for you. Uh, this, this has been a, an amazing series, Be the Church. Before we, uh, before we officially close out our online group, I just want to let you know a couple things. One... Starting in March, March 5th, we are going to be moving into our new location. We're going to be putting all the information out um, on, our, on our website and social media. So be sure to continue to follow us uh, to, to, to find out where we're meeting next in March. And so we're going to continue this beach, uh, Be the Church series all throughout February as well. As we continue meeting in people's homes, starting in March, we're going to have uh, our own official space again. Um, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated. And finally, if you have it on your hearts to give today and you want to you, uh, you um, worship, worship God through your giving, we want to make it clear that, that generosity should always be a choice. We, we never want anyone to give out of compulsion or out of pressure or persuasion. We want you to be able to give out of, uh, out of your own free will. But know that when you do give, when you trust Gravetop Church as a steward of your generosity, you make an impact for somebody else. You extend the impact that we have made as a church in your life, and you extend that impact to be made in somebody else's life. And you join us in the ministry work that God is doing through this church. 
If, if you have it on your heart to do that today, maybe you even want to set up an established form of giving, like uh, you want to set up recurring donations. All you have to do is go to gravetopchurch.com, click the donate tab, and you're able to give online, or you can get through our church center app. All you have to do is download the church center app and then search Gravetop Church, and you'll find us there, and you can give on uh, through the app. All that being said, we're so grateful for you guys being a part of our online community at Gravetop Church. You got to try us out in person. I'm telling you, it, it, this is an amazing time that we're able to have online, but there's nothing like being close with other believers in the body of Christ and being in this this truly this uh, this this area, this atmosphere of other people people that are just down to earth trying to worship God and find God in their lives. It's a special thing, and it, there's just nothing like being in person together. So if you haven't tried us out in person yet, I really encourage you to just try us at least one time. Try it one time. We were packed house today. We had a church at our house this morning. Um, and next, uh, next week, we're going to have it at another member's house. But uh, I'm telling you, just try it one time. If you don't like it, you can go back to online. But I really think uh, that you would love meeting in person. All that being said, we love you so much. Have a great rest of your evening. We love you. Bye. Hey, I hope that you enjoyed today's message. If you did, there's several different ways to connect. First is by subscribing to our show, leaving a review or a comment. Second is by going to gravetopchurch.com and clicking the Get Connected tab so that we can connect with you as an individual. And third is if this ministry has made an impact in your life and you want to help us to continue to reach others, then you can give online by clicking the Give tab. Until next time, thank you for being a part of Gravetop Church.